Man, I tell you what, it, it really is true. Let me encourage you that in two weeks we're having our small group kickoff. You got an opportunity to take a look at what's happening and what will be taking place. So let me encourage you, doing life together, and that's what we're talking about this in this series, is so important. And, and I think it was Brenton, what he was saying about same experiences. It really is important to have somebody around you that's going through the, the same kind of event, who's gone through the same life experience, maybe the same kind of surgery or same type of illness, same, same type of maybe even a divorce experience. Uh, maybe a parenting experience. So let me encourage you. In two weeks, we'll be kicking off our small groups. You'll have an opportunity to learn about them. Also, I want to remind you about our Ronald House, um, Ronald McDonald House. It's an outreach that we're doing downtown for families who have a child that has a life-threatening illness that we're getting involved. Uh, we encourage you by bringing meals and all, and that you get involved with this incredible outreach Suzanne will be in the back. She'll be able to tell you about how you can be involved this coming month. We're also doing our teacher love outreach uh, with C.E. Williams Elementary School, an opportunity for you to come alongside of a teacher who is asked, who is literally asked that somebody in the church would come alongside them and encourage them as a teacher in the public school system. So you may be in that place in your life where you can provide that kind of encouragement, that maybe that weekly reminder to them that the job that they're doing is important and they can succeed in that. So let me encourage you to be a part of our missional outreaches that take place here at Crosstown, and you can find out more in the back at our missional table. Well, we've been talking about, starting last week, about relationships, and we're, we're going to continue to talk about the power of living together. Um, it's not intuitive, it, it, it's, well, it's, it's intuitive for us, but it's not intuitive for our culture. We talked about last week how science is just loaded with the intuition that, that whether it's planetary bodies, whether it's at the molecular structure, whether it's in a biological system, that it is intuitive that th life comes out of things that are cooperating together, things that are interacting together. But yet we live in a culture that really just focuses on the individual, about you being the best version of you is the highest level of achievement that you can have. So God really wants to kind of transform our thinking about this, whether it's as a community, whether it's as a church, whether it's a, a married couple, or whether you're in the dating process right now. God wants to help us do the we relationships better. Um, and, and let's face it, we're just, we're not good at we. We're really good at me. I mean, I do me really well. But yet we kind of need some help, some changing of our thinking about how we do we relationships. So the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, and let me read it to you, but he, he kind of talks about how, how we go about transforming our lives or seeing them change from a kind of a me-centric life rather into something that is empowered so that we can do life together. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying, listen, any change that you're going to have in your life is going to have to start with you taking you and presenting you for change. You know, sometimes we wait for God to hit us on the head with a lightning bolt, and, and that's how the change is going to happen. Or if God wants me to be different, well, he's just going to have to make me different. 
But the Apostle Paul says if we're going to change uh, the common into something uncommon, something in common together, doing life together in common, then we're going to have to do something that's not common to us. So we're going to have to start with presenting ourselves. And the Apostle Paul continues, and he says, present yourselves. Do not be conformed to this world or to the common way of doing marriage. We, I think we've seen common marriage done. I think we've seen common families done. I think we've seen the common workplace done over and over again. He says, do not be conformed to the common, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what, what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. I love it. He, he says, you know, if you're willing to present yourself to God and allowing yourself to go under a transformation from me to, to a we mentality, he said, you're going to discover what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. You're going to experience in marriage those three words, good, acceptable, and perfect. And isn't there, there's no one here that got married to, to experience Anything less other than something good, something acceptable, something perfect, something wonderful, something divine, something God. Isn't that what we expect in church? Don't you expect that when you walk into a building like this and, and if, if you're somebody who doesn't believe in God, you have every right to expect that we do relationships better than everybody else on the planet. But we don't. Why? Because we settle for the common. Well, this is like my last church. Well, this is like all kinds of churches. But rather, God is saying, listen, whether you're a church, a community, a family, a dad, a grandpa, a mom, whatever you are, that you present yourself to him for, the, for a transformation so that you don't have to live in the common way that we see repeated over and over again, but you can have something about your life be good and acceptable and just kind of just divinely wonderful. So doing life uncommon in common is discovering the love and the empowerment that doing life together can only bring. Jesus always believed in the power of we, doing life in common in an uncommon way. I mean, when we look at the cross, when we see the cross, it's kind of, it has an oddness to it. You know, it has a sacredness to it. It almost has an otherness to it than the way that we do relationships, if somebody, if you were about to get married and you were a young, maybe 25-year-old couple and, and, you know, somebody came up to you and said, listen, I'm going to give you um, a tip, a gift. I'm going to give you something that I believe that if you embrace it, that you will experience everything that is good, something that is acceptable, something that is perfect, something that is divine. And you'd be wondering what this magic elixir was that they were going to give you, and if they handed you a crucifix or a cross, you'd be like stunned. Because I think there's a, it's like an oddity to us. It's a differentness to us than what we normally experience. But Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his life, was not just saving the individual me's, but he was creating an example of a kingdom of we's. He said in John 13, a new commandment I give you, a new way of thinking about this. I know what you think, but I'm giving you a, a new proposition about how life should be done, how you should treat your wife, how you should raise your kids, how you should talk to your, your boss who may be a jerk. He said, I want to give you kind of a, a new idea here, a new, a new way to do this. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. And I know if you're here, and especially if you're like my age, 
You know, you're like, I have heard this sermon a thousand times before, yada, 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 love one another. Well, I am here to tell you it is the amino acids, it is the DNA, it is the gravitational force, it is the, it is the periodic table of all relationship on this planet. It is scientifically proven, it has been verified that this is still the way life happens best in common, uncommonly on this planet, is that we love one another. So Jesus says that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also are to love one another. And by this, people will know that you are my disciples. If you love, you have love for one another. That the declaration of our faith is not just a list of doctrines, but rather it is living life together, living life uncommon in common. So it will require a shift. It will require a, a shift from selfless to, uh, selfish to selfish. Uh, yes, can't even say it. That's how odd it is. I can't even get it out of my mouth. It's from selfish to selfless. From resentful to restored. Golly, isn't resentful so common? Everybody's angry at their dad. Everybody's angry at somebody. I mean, that is so 2016. I mean, being resentful is easy. It is the common way. Envious, being transformed, transformed to joyous. Fake to faithful. Unforgiving to unconditional. And we need to say goodbye to a common way of doing relationships. Common way of doing church. I mean, I, I, there's no relationship that stands above this principle. Even church. We need to do it differently. We need to do family differently. We need to do um, being neighbors differently. We need to do everything differently. I think every one of us would agree that we live in a love-broken culture. I mean, just think about that phrase. That phrase just kind of grabbed me. We live in a love-broken culture. It's like love is broke. If it was like an object, it, it just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't roll the right way. It's got a misalignment to it. See, for us in our culture, love is a lot of different things. It's love is what's good for me. I love the relationship that I'm in, and my, my only indicator of whether or not I love this relationship or not, or if it's a love relationship, is, is it good for me? That's what we determine what love is, is, yeah, this is working. And then we decide, well, if it's not working out for me, well, I'm not in this relationship any longer. But that's, that's kind of how we think about love sometimes. Maybe love is just plain lust. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe we just have such a, a, a want to. I love, I've kind of picked this up as a, as a northern-born, southern-saved individual. Um, we, we just get a hankering. And, and for a lot of us, love is just a hankering. It's nothing more than that. It's not a commitment. It's not a proposition of ideas and, and thoughts about how a relationship should be done. It's, it's just this, this hankering that we have. For others, maybe it's just a want for others, love is just a quotient of pleasure. That if I'm having pleasure, if it's good, if I still get the butterflies, if I get all those feelings of, of, that I had, if it makes me happy and just kind of fluffs me a little bit, well then, that's what love is, is, is when you're 
when there's pleasure involved. I mean, I hear people all the time, love shouldn't be hard. I'm like, well, somebody needs to hand you a cross. You know, because somebody forgot to tell the eternal father that, that love is hard. But we always bail when, when love gets difficult. We want a love that is easy. That's when, you know it's, that's when you know it's love. You know, when you're dating, it's like, man, she's, she's just, you know, just somebody I get along with. He's just so easy, you know? It's, there's no difficulty. That's what I love about them. They're just so easy. And so we kind of make a quotient of that's what love is. So if we're going to experience something new in our relationships, we're going to need kind of a new definition of what love is. We're going to have to look at, okay, what is the uncommon definition of love? If that's what's common, what's uncommon? And it brings us back to a really basic fundamental scripture um, conversation that Jesus is having that he tells us something about love, this uncommon love. And you've heard it a gazillion times. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, God did something uncommon so we could live in common with him. He gave. It, that's what love is. It's, it's a giving thing. Now, I know some of you are into theology and you've kind of had a problem with Christianity because when you look at the God of the Old Testament, you're kind of like, well, he's kind of like, you know, super righteous, super angry, super vengeful, you know, which is really wrong. It's not... It's not, you know, the case. But how do we end up with that kind of idea about God? And then all of a sudden we get into the New Testament and we find this heavenly father. We find this, this savior. We find this spirit of God who, who pours out love and, and is inclusive and all this other stuff. And you look at the Old Testament and you're kind of like, was that wrong? Or, or what people think is, did God have a midlife crisis and all of a sudden he changed? No, what happens is, is that there's a revelation that is, that, that, that is directly coefficient to the amount that you give into a relationship. See, God is up there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we have no idea that he's in relationship. We, have no, we know that he's righteous, we know that he's true, we know that he's just, we, we know that he has wrath, we know all those things from the Old Testament. There are a glimpse of, of this love also. But we kind of... We kind of see God there, you know, as Yahweh or Jehovah. We see God. But, but the moment that the second person of the Trinity comes to the earth and God so loves the world that he gives, all of a sudden there's a of revelation. There's an unfolding of the concept of God. We all of a sudden are like, yeah, I like this one. This one's really good. I mean, I really like this Jesus. I really like this empowering Holy Spirit. Oh, wow, we're calling him Heavenly Father. You know, we're asking him for our daily bread, not to lead us into temptation. Lead us from all evil. Forgive us it's our trespasses. It's like, wow, what is that? That only happens because God goes from a me kind of representation to a we giving. See, that's the power of giving. It transforms what people see about you. When a wife looks at a husband that goes from just bass boat ownership, 
but goes into a wheat. I'm sorry, Adam. If, if it's okay to have a boat. I have a boat, and so there's nothing wrong with owning a boat. So we'll make me very clear. But but when a husband is a me only, then the the wife is kind of like trying to figure out, you know, where's that guy? Where is he? But when he begins to give into the relationship, all of a sudden there's kind of an unfolding of revelation. So God does something uncommon. He's willing to move beyond his me to a revelation of we. And the only way we is revealed is through the power of giving. So think right now about the quality of your relationships. And just think about how much giving is going on in that relationship. Particularly how much giving is coming out of your relationship. So if we're going to live in common, then we're going to have to have an uncommon definition. But we're all going to have to hold that that same definition. A husband and wife, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, a family, a father to child, a mother to child relationship, a a church, a community, we're going to have to decide that we're going to live by this definition. We're not going to live by our individual definitions. Whether it's two people dating, whether it's four people family, or it's one person trying to get along with the people at work. People in relationship to have to have the same definition of love. We've got to be working from the same lexicon. We've got to be like, okay, how we, what are we going to call love in this marriage? See, that's, if you're dating right now, that's the conversation you need to be having with your, your, your partner. You need to be having the conversation of like, what is our definition of love? And I need to hear you, uh, uh, you know, boyfriend, I need to hear you talk. I need you to, you can't just say, yeah, I love you. No, no, that ain't going to work. Because a single word is not a definition. You're going to have to give me what you mean by love because we live in a love-broken culture. You know, we need to begin to, you know... Uh, dads, your kids need to hear what your definition of love is. So what is this uncommon love of God? If, he, if he's going to be our, our source of, of this uncommon love. Well, God's love is unconditional. You know, the Bible puts it this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me paraphrase it a little bit. While you were at your worst, I mean, absolutely, absolutely deplorable worst. And I'm talking about your worst may even be 10 years from now. So just whatever your worst is, and, and I've got some worst I don't want to share with anybody. I mean, I've had a lot of worst in my life. But when you're at your worst, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that while we were yet at our worst, God said, you know what? I'm going from me to we. I'm coming down. I'm going to love you. Right where you are. See, that's uncommon. Most people I marry, you know, I try to, you know, push them a little bit in the counseling process. But I'm like, you know, if you think you're going to live this relationship on 50-50, you're screwed. I'm sorry. Is that a bad word? (laughs) Can we vote on that moving forward? Because I sure use it a lot. Um, Really, but if, if you're going to do a 50-50, he does his part, you do your part, and as long as everybody does their part, this is going to work out. You know how common that is? That is so common. You know how common divorce is? It is so common. Why? Because we operate on that, that concept. God's love is relentless. 
Oh, man, I, after I promise him a thousand times I'll never do it again, his, his mercies are new to me every single day. His love is sacrificial. You know, he really just calls me to receive. I mean, he, he's like, listen, I did the sacrifice. I didn't, I didn't ask you to give up anything to get my love. I didn't ask you to stop doing that to get my love. I didn't tell you to change yourself to get my love. He, he's like, no, I'll do the sacrifice and you do the receiving. His love, God's love is giving. And I love this one. God's love is personable. That's really big. If you're an A-type personality like me and you're task-driven, that tends to maybe be your personality profile, um, you can do a lot of things that you think are loving to people, like make money and pay the bills. Um, but I don't think that's what we see in the cross. I think that's what we may see in the Old Testament, is God paying the bills, God keeping certain tribes over here and certain tribes over here and certain warring tribes and making this group rise and this group fall and we see God kind of balancing all the charts and, and doing all that stuff. But, you know, isn't, doesn't our concept of God change? Not God change, but our concept of God change when he becomes incredibly fleshly personable, touchable, realable. And I think for a lot of us, our love needs to become personable. I mean, really touchable, lovable. And, and what I would mean by that is that, that it comes from a person, this love comes from a real person to create another person. That it's personhood enabling. Is that after somebody encounters me with the love of God, I have enabled their personhood. So maybe that was, if you don't listen to anything else today, maybe that's right where God just stopped you. It's like, yeah, you're faithful. Yes, you're truthful. Yes, you're honest. Yes, you're authentic. But are you personable? Are you developing personhood in other people? Or are you just the local resident expert? Nobody wants that guy. Nobody wants an expert unless you have in surgery. Other than that, you know, we want somebody that's personable. And so God, in, in this gift of Jesus, is saying, listen, I'm going to become really personable and interact with you. That's God love. So to start all this off, I think really where we start today, and I don't think we should go too much farther from this, but is starting with the idea of being loved by God. I know we're church people, but I don't think, I don't think we let God love us the way that God wants us to be loved. So I don't want you to start by running and chasing people down and say, love me, love me, you know, grabbing a hold of them and say, I'm going to love you whether you like it or not. I don't think that's our first step. Um, I think the first step is letting the love of God chase you down and letting you be loved by God. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Like, that, it all starts by letting ourselves be loved by God. That's, that's where it happens, is that we have the power of love because we've allowed ourselves to be loved by God. This is not just one of these other sermons that you're hearing that, yeah, you, go out, you need to go out there and be lo uh, love people more. You need to be more personable. No, the first step to all this is, is, is love. Allow the person who created the universe, the most personable you human God person in Christ to first love us 
And that when we get that love in us, that we would have the power to begin to love other people. So let yourself be loved. Can you just breathe that in? You know, when you're unfaithful to God, just let yourself be loved. When you break his commandment for the hundredth time, just let yourself be loved. When you've blown it with your spouse, just let yourself be loved. When you've messed up, just let yourself be loved every single day by God. We need to realize that what's down in the well comes up with the bucket. That may be real country, and maybe I should like get a certificate that he's finally been southernized with this, with this example. But let me just say it. You know, what's down in the well needs to come, will come up in the bucket. You know, but it's true that whatever is down in that well, when you crank that handle and the bucket comes up, that's what you're going to happen in. And if you don't have the love of God in you, if you haven't allowed yourself to be loved by God and haven't filled your life with that, well, you're going to crank it up and every day you're going to say, well, I want to love these people more. I want to love them more. But whatever's in your bucket is what they're going to get. So if it's still bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy, and all those other things, you could say, I'm going to be more loving today. And I think every one of you would do it. I think every one of you will leave here today with the intention of, I am going to be more loving today. Well, I would want to stop you before you run and go do that and find out what's in your well. Because that's what's coming up in your bucket. Let yourself be loved by God. God wants us to be loved so that we can we can give something uncommon while we try to live in common. You know, you've probably heard this list a thousand times. It's you've gone to a wedding and somebody reads 1 Corinthians 13 and, and maybe all the Christian people in here or at least the church people in here have just said, oh, that's the love chapter in the Bible. Um, but, you know, you've probably been at a wedding and you've probably heard the preacher read off 1 Corinthians 13. It's probably on some thing you got you know, knitted at your house, hanging on the wall. And, but, um, but if you're at a wedding like me, if I'm not doing the wedding, you know, I'm, I'm usually like uh, looking at my fantasy scores, you know, I'm looking at seeing how Clemson's doing on my phone and maybe an occasional in the middle of all the, re, you know, the stuff that goes on the wedding, I'm maybe taking a look at what's on sale at Amazon. And, but, you know, so I, so I hear them talking about how what love is. You know, I really don't. I really don't pay attention to that. It's become so cliche to us in our culture. So I'm going to read to you this, chat, this, this particular part, and I'm not going to give you the verse for it because I want you to hear it, but what I've done is I've broken it out into its independent lines that it says. And because this is the uncommon elements that God wants to have in our lives. And if you hear one that's, you know, runs juxtaposed to your way of relating, God today is saying, that's the spot. That, that's where I need, you, I need you to present yourself to be transformed. So let me just read it to you, and I'll show you the list at the end. Let me just, and I just kind of want, want you to just kind of hear from God in this moment. Okay? And it, let's see if he puts his finger on something that he wants you to become uncommon about. Love is patient. I mean, I'm glad I'm not having us raise hands, right? <laughs> you know, so it would have been bing, 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 you know. But, okay, love is patient. It's like, yeah, 
that is not common. And I'm, I'm going to need some transformation. I, love, is, love is kind. Love is not jealous. Mm. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, I, I, and I'll tell you when I really think that, that I, I get to mine. Uh, now, you may be thinking, no, this one's yours, Paul. No, no. Let, let the Spirit of God talk to you. Okay? So uh, love, is, love is not boastful. Why were you laughing? Um, love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Yeah, that's it right there. Love does not, it's like I'm okay with loving you as long as it goes my way. In the end, it works out for me. That's love. Love is not irritable. Love, and to see if God's putting this one on you, love keeps no record of being wronged. Okay, that will ruin a relationship. Um, and I'm not going to make the gender mistake of saying one gender has a propensity towards this and another gender. But hypothetically, it is possible that one gender could have a propensity to this and another, that when we keep a list of wrongs, that is so common. We don't need more wives that do that. <laughs> we, we, we don't, no, let me finish. We don't need more husbands that do that, that keep track of, of wrongs. That is so common, but that's not what love is. We don't need a church filled with people who are keeping track of, well, he didn't talk to me. Well, he didn't call me. Well, he didn't love me. I mean, it happens in every relationship between a dad and a son, a mom and a daughter. Love does not rejoice about injustice. Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never lose faith. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to give up on this person. Now, let me just say, and I have to say this, this does not mean subjecting yourself to abuse. That's not what this is saying at all. You can love somebody from, from afar because they're too dangerous to love close. But it doesn't mean that you give up on them. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. So there's your list. This uncommon definition of love will last forever. I guarantee that if your marriage is transformed by these uncommon principles, you're not getting divorced. I guarantee that if, if your family, your dating relationship, your your interaction with people around you operates on the uncommon that you're going to see something good, something acceptable, something perfect, something godish happen in your life. Your marriage success is right here in this list. Your, your relationship success. So, so how do we get this love from God? Starting right now today and as we kind of, kind of wrap this all up, how do we, how do we get this? 
we need a new definition. An expression of love from God's word. We got to find out how it's defined. So we, we got to go to God's word and say, okay, what is love and, and, and how is it really defined? We need a new example, a new way. We need the example of Christ. We need to look at how he lived. Remember, God revealed himself in Christ. If you want to get God right, you may be having a hard time with the Old Testament. Okay, I get that. I kind of stumble over some of that stuff too. It's still God. It's still his word. But, you know, it's like, well, God, do I have to get it all right? I mean, do I, I, I'm not sure how that boat got all those animals in it. I'm not exactly sure how you created this whole thing. I, I, you know, I don't know why that tribe got wiped out. Whatever your question may be. Well, God's like, listen, okay, okay, okay. All right, so I, 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 I gave so that you could get this right. I, the, the, the me, the, the Yahweh God revealed himself as he truly is, as the giving God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit God. So, so it starts with the example of Christ. Get Christ right, you're on your way. Okay, I mean, that maybe, maybe that's not a Bible Belt answer. Because people will always tell you, well, you got to get Moses right, you got to get Noah right, you got to get the Old Testament right, you got to get Revelations right in order to be in. No, let's just get God right. And, and how do we get God right? Let's just look at Jesus. And I'm telling you what, there isn't a marriage here that will fail if there's more Jesus in it. You know, there's nobody that's, no relationship that's going to get ruined if both people decide that. Jesus is the definition and the example. And then thirdly, and I can't underestimate this enough, it may be out of our mystical allowance, but a new source. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. A lot of times a book will list five to ten things that you should do to be more loving. Okay, what that is, is it trying to dip the, dip the bucket in your humanist well and try to crank it up and Try to find something there. You know, I go up to North Carolina a lot, and if you have kids, grandkids, you go to those places where they have those mines, gem mines. If you've ever been up there and you have the gem mines, and they have the, you know, and you go there and you pay like, you know, $15 a child, and they, they have the, pour the water through the rocks, and the kids get the little things, and they sift, and it's all great. But you as a parent, you, you know what's not happening there, right? You're not going to find gold, okay? You know you're not going to find gold. But yet you're going to pay money because you want your kids to have that experience. And they find little rocks. And sometimes the owner will actually plant little, you know, low-priced gems in there so that they can find it in this nice, pretty green rock. But, but let's be honest, as a parent, you know they're not really going to find anything of super value there. And can I encourage you that without the Spirit of God in your life, you're not going to find anything really valuable. You're just going to find this common fool's gold in life. You're just going to dip your bucket, bring it up, and you're going to think every day if you're just a nicer person, if you're just a kinder person, if you just bring these new habits to your life, you're going to be different. It's not going to happen. You need something uncommon. And the Spirit of God is that that thing, when I'm telling you, when I go to God and I ask him every single day for his spirit, I am, I'm dipping my bucket so that he can fill me with something uncommon. Because this world does not need more of me. It doesn't. 
It doesn't even need a better me or a better version of me. That's fool's gold. What it needs is the uncommon of God poured into my life so I can spill that uncommon on my wife, on my children, on my grandchildren, on my friends, on my church, on my neighbor, on my enemies. It needs something different in the world around it. I love what Paul said, that once we receive the love of God through Christ, he says we have this promise. In Romans 5.5, God's love has been poured and will be poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Remember, we're not looking for the common form of love. We're looking for something uncommon. And you may be here today saying, well, it's just not my personality. That's not who I am. Well, we know who you are. There's there's like four billion of you on the planet. Oh, no, I'm different. I'm a snowflake. No, you're not a snowflake. There's a personality test. We could figure out who you are right away. You got this one over here. We could find out if you're a lion, a dog, uh, an orangutan. We got this one over here that's got 64 different profiles, whether or not you're a jerk or a moron or whatever it is. And then we got this other test over here that will turn you into a color. And, you know, but let's be honest, we're just digging around the same, same rock sifting, trying to find value, trying to find differentness, trying to find uniqueness in the same old rock. And there's nothing in there other than the biology and the humanity that we've experienced for all these years. You're like, wow, that is so depressing. (laughs) It's common. I'm just talking about common. We see it all the time. We need something uncommon. We need the Spirit of God. And as we go into this communion moment, as we kind of close this up, you know, your takeaway today is to be loved by God. It's to let yourself be loved. And can I encourage you to dare, and I don't care what you've done wrong, and I don't, and I, and I say this very tenderly, and whatever has been done wrong to you, you need the love of God. Both of those are paralyzing. We need to love the, let the love of God fill the wells of who we are. Otherwise, we're going to be cranking up the same humanity that is so common around us. So can I encourage you to be open to a supernatural idea? That you would ask that the same God who rose Christ from the dead would richly dwell inside of your mortal body. And I know this whole sermon, you have not been this quiet nor have I seen as much intrepidation on the faces of every one of us because you loved the idea of the proposition of a better life. Now, this is the presentation of your life to something uncommon. And wasn't Christianity supposed to be uncommon all along? So let me invite you to come and encounter the uncommon love of God and to invite his uncommon spirit to fill you. Father, we thank you for your love and for this moment that you've brought us to. And this is still about relationships. This is still about my marriage. It's still about my grandparenting. It's still about my neighbor. It still has something to do with my jealousy and my anger and resentment. 
But God, you're not asking me right now to sift through all that and try to find some gold in it. But God, today you're asking me to open myself up for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave, that he gave, that he revealed himself so that, so that I could have my well filled with love. Not with just knowledge, not with just ideas, but God, supernatural, the Spirit of God. Not my spirit, but the Spirit of God. Not the Spirit of this world, not the Spirit of my Father, but God, the Spirit, your Spirit, that, that rose Jesus from a deathly grave and gave him new life, that you want to give my heart new life, new, a new water, a new, something new to fill the bucket of my life so that I can bring it up and share it with others. So Father, we dare to present our lives holy sacrifices to you. Not perfect lives, but God, this is, this is totally what we're going to do. We're going to present ourselves to you to be transformed. Let me encourage you as you receive the bread, the cup. Try to avoid going into conversations with friends that you may see in line. Let this be a, a sacred moment that you, that when you get back, that you not only receive the love of God, but you ask God today, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit.